For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. I'm pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford rep. Stan, the Raiders hit bye week at 1-4, and four, coming up a heartbreaking loss for the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. But before we talk about what's going on on the field with the Raiders, let's talk about what's happening off the field with them. On Wednesday, Kansas City Police charged Raiders receiver Devontae Adams with misdemeanor assault for shoving an ESPN freelancer to the ground after Monday night's loss to the Chiefs. I'm sure everyone by now has seen the video. Stan, as a former player, why don't you give your perspective of what it's like for you on the field having to deal with everybody that's down there, especially after an emotional loss coming off the field like that. And then as a member of the media who's covered hundreds of games, I'll give my perspective what's expected of the media down on the field. Oh, okay. Uh, well, for one, you know, I think that uh, obviously we know that uh, Devontae shouldn't have pushed the freelance camera guy. We all know that. There's right. no doubt about that. Agreed. And as you've seen that he's come out, he said it publicly. I think he even sent out a tweet about it, he basically did. apologizing, showing remorse and profusely apologizing about pushing him as he's walking back to the locker room in the tunnel. And I think right there, that's where it should end. And then now, as everything has went ahead and spiraled out for the past 48 hours, that's where, to me, I start to go and I start to have issue with it because we see how the reporter starts talking about possible injuries. Now we see today, we see that Devontae Adams has been issued a citation. Like, I mean, like, like at the rate it's going, like, I'm surprised, like, CSI didn't show up at his doorstep, you know? Uh, And I think that, when you see how he pushed the he pushed the guy, he got right back up. Yep. I would love to know what injuries incurred, even though he's able to get right back up. Right. And then before you know it, he's already at the police station following a police report. And I think it just goes to show that this is really a money grab. And we see that we're probably going to see a civil suit soon thereafter come out, uh, come out through the grapevine. And it's unfortunate because that's the world that we now live in. You know that just like I know that. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best, depending on who you ask. Yep. So a guy like that pushes you. That's an obvious opportunity to go ahead and cash in on it, do whatever he's going to do. Obviously, like I said, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some sort of civil suit. I'm pretty sure all of a sudden, you know, he's about to experience some sort of whiplash. He's about to experience some sort of traumatic sort of issue where now he feels like I can't go and do my job anymore because I have such PTSD or something like that where I can't, I can no longer be on the sidelines. And to me, because he got right back up, that to me right there is why it's going to look frivolous if there was going to be a civil suit. But that brings me to my next point where now 
the NFL needs to go and take a look because the true human aspect of it is this right here. You don't want Devontae Adams to push that cameraman like that. Correct. Which he should. Agreed. But but you want him to have that same type of violent mentality on the football field <laughs> on Sunday point, afternoon. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Monday night. Yep. But then as soon as the game is over with, hey, 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 I want for three hours, I want you to be a jungle cat. I want you to be a beast. I want you to be ferocious. As soon as the game ends, uh-uh, go right back to being a house cat. So he didn't even get a chance to take his pads off. He didn't get a chance to take his helmet off. He literally just left the field. You're seeing the, the Chiefs go out and be victorious. He bumps into Hunter Renfro on the final play of the game. In my opinion, the Raiders blew that game. They were up 17-0. Exactly. We all know that in the first half. Yep. So the Raiders blew that game. Devontae Adams knows that they blew that game. They blew a perfect opportunity. He's mad. He's walking off of the field under his own power. He's not flicking off the fans or doing anything like that. He's about to go into the locker room, and he's probably about to go ahead and probably maybe, you know, punch the wall, punch the air, something like that, because he's angry. He's upset because he feels like they blew a perfectly good opportunity to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs and try to get a leg back into this AFC West race. And somebody is standing in his way. And so he pushes the guy. He shouldn't have done that. We all know he shouldn't have done that. But my point that I'm trying to make is it's very interesting how fans, they want you to have that aggressive mindset. They want you to have that aggressive mentality. But, oh, they want it to just stop right there on the football field. Well, Devontae was still on the football field, technically. And so from a mentality standpoint, he's still in that zone. And that's where I think the dichotomy comes in what a lot of people don't really understand because so many people want to say, well, if he did that at my job, Devontae Adams don't work at your job. Exactly. It's night He works at his job. Right. You're comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. That's a completely different industry. So you got to go ahead and accept that. You got to understand that fans. Hey, he plays a testosterone driven, very, very aggressive, physical, brute, 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 brute violence (laughs) brute brute blunt violence sport come on now like you got to understand that and so that's where to me i think fans have to understand i'm not saying they got to just completely accept it they got to completely condone i'm not saying that but they got to get to the point where they understand now lastly for the nfl you mean to tell me roger goodell you mean to tell me nfl league office you can make Every single nook and cranny, every single modification to everything you want to in this league. You're trying to tell me that you cannot implement something to where for players, they have an easy, open path to walk through the tunnel, back to the locker room, after the game, things like that. You're trying to tell me that that there has to be people on the way where they got to go and kind of navigate through and things like that. You're trying to tell me that NFL, you can't do that? Come on now. And so I think that uh, when you when you add all those factors in, that to me is exactly why this really just spiraled out of control. We all know Devontae Adams should not have pushed him. We all know that. He's profusely apologized. We all know that. He's tweeted the guy, basically saying, hey, I, I, I apologize. I'm admitting that I was wrong, this, that, and the other. Now we see that he's been issued with a citation. And I think that, you know, everything in itself – I would challenge anybody to answer this question truthfully. 
what I'm about to ask. You have a bad day at work. You're leaving the office. You're walking to the parking lot to your car. As you're walking to the parking lot to your car, there's somebody standing in your way to where you cannot easily get directly to your car. Mind you, you already had a bad day. You're not happy. You're going to literally just walk up to that person who's standing in your way, smile at him and say, hey, you think you could go ahead and, you know, step aside so I get to my car? Like, come on, man. And that's where I think everybody has to look at this from that actual realistic standpoint. It's very easy to go ahead and say in a utopic society what woulda, coulda, shoulda happened. It's very easy to do that. But this is planet Earth. This ain't utopia. Come on now. Who are we kidding? And that, to me, right there is why this, in totality, is unnecessary. It's frivolous because we're about to see a civil suit, I'm assuming, based on how now we have a citation that has been issued for Devontae Adams. Like, he's a menace to society right now. So I think that uh, when you know when you look at everything in total, man, it's just, it, it, it's just an unnecessary event. Obviously, it shouldn't happen. There's no doubt about that. But I think the fallout and the aftermath that we've now seen transpire in just 36 hours, just 36 hours, that to me uh, shows that we're going to see more matriculate out of this as the days go by. You know, Stan, I've covered, I don't know how many NFL games as a member of the media. You know, we are on the player's domain down on the field. We have certain guidelines that we have to follow. Before the game, we can be on the sidelines doing live shots. We can be shooting players warming up. And then by the time the national anthem begins, members of the media have to leave the field. They have to go up to the press box and watch the game. Now, in certain stadiums, you're allowed down on the field, maybe with two minutes to go. And certain stadiums, you can't even get on the field until the very end of the game. And then once the game's over, you might want to try to get a one-on-one interview with somebody from the winning team. And you're allowed on the field then. You can actually go onto the playing field. But Stan, as the members of the media... We're on the players' domain, and we have to be aware of the players at all times. And I've been to several stadiums yes. where they will rope off the tunnel and let the players go through. Now, when Devontae Adams was going through that tunnel, it wasn't roped off. And the member the, and that guy, the ESPN freelancer, he ran in front of Devontae. And you and I both agree Devontae should not have shoved him. But that guy also has to be aware of his surroundings and understand and realize that I know he's got a job to do, but he is on the players. He's got to be aware of them. He's got to be respectful of them. He's on the field. He's on their domain. And you've just got to be aware of your surroundings. And I don't feel like he was. And I feel like, you know what, this guy's a freelancer. I feel like he's out for a buck. And I just think the situation should have ended. Devontae shouldn't have pushed him. The guy seemed like he was fine. Devontae apologized, as you said, after Stan. And that should have been the end of it right there. Clean, cut, dry. That is it. But... As you said, I don't think this story is going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's far from over, and we'll see how it all plays out. All right, now, before we get to what's going on with the Raiders on the field, let me get our promo in here. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and, yes, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAF50 
to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Stan, one other quick note on that. I don't think a lot of people know. When the players go into the locker room and the locker room door is closed after a game, there's like a 15-minute cooling period for things like, you know, yeah. for everybody to calm down before the media is actually allowed in the, pre- allowed in the locker room and guys go to press conferences. And you saw Devontae, his frustration uh, over losing, especially blowing a 17-point lead Monday Night Football. Everybody's watching. Division rival, uh, a chance for you to get right back in the thick of this race. And unfortunately, they lose. And this is the result. So, all right, Stan, the Raiders have a bye this week. Uh, they are one and four. So let me just flat out ask you, how would you assess where this team is right now? Huh, well, you say one and four? Like, how would I assess it? Yeah. Uh, they're I mean, one what and some four. Positive, give me some positives and what are the concerns? Uh, because I want to, their next six games, and I'm going to get to their schedule, and I know at one and four, we should be taking this thing one week at a time. But you and I were talking before we started. I feel like the Raiders play to the level of their competition. I mean, Monday night, they go toe-to-toe on the road with the Chiefs. But at the same time, they blow a 20 to nothing lead at home and lose to the lowly Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I think that uh, pretty much you hit it right on the head. I think they played to their competition. That's why, you know, last week I picked them to win. A, what was it, 34-31, 35-31, some in that area, just because they're going to get up for the Chiefs. It's going to be Monday night football. And it seems like, obviously, the Chiefs had no problem scoring against the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't but think many teams aside from aside from last year, the Raiders haven't had much trouble scoring against them as well. That's why I figured it would be more of a shootout than a defensive uh, grudge match or something like that. But as far as the positives, obviously we see Josh Jacobs. He's been playing very well. Uh, Max Crosby has had, what, four sacks in the last two games, playing at a high level. Uh, Obviously, Devontae Adams, he's been balling. We can see that. So there are some positives as far as certain bright spots going on on this team, but it's still not equating to a to to W's. It's not equating to even a two and three record. It's a one and four record, and that's against the Denver Broncos, who right now, I mean, after last week's game against the Indianapolis Colts, like the Broncos fans, they, they were booing Russell Wilson. They're over there wondering, did why do we really trade for this guy and give him this big contract? So that's the only W that the Raiders have right now to date on their on their on their win loss record. So it's not a whole whole lot that uh, you actually can go ahead and smile about within this organization right now so far in the first five games. But yes, there are some bright spots as what I just outlined, as what I just highlighted. And I think going down the line, going down the stretch for the rest of the season, you got twelve more games. You still have the opportunity to get back into, into this thing, obviously, because we see the Chiefs are still the class of the AFC West. They're at the class of the AFC, and you just went toe-to-toe with them. Right. But just for, even from a numerical standpoint, the Raiders right now are 1-4. The Chiefs right now are, what, 4-1. Correct. So you're still mathematically in this, but you better get your tail going once you get right back from the bye week. Dan, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. I mean, the last two games, uh, I look at his numbers. I mean, on Monday night against the Chiefs, he ran for a career-high 154 yards. And in those last two games, he's rushed for nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, and caught 11 passes. Now, this appears a res- appears to be a recipe for success. He's also playing for a contract. And Stan, if he keeps playing this way, uh, he's going to get paid by somebody. I don't know if it's going to be the Raiders, but somebody's going to pay him in the offseason. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that uh, he might actually put the Raiders in an awkward position or put them back into a corner where they're either going to have to go get some running back, you know, high in the draft, something like that, or pay 
Josh Jacobs because he's playing right now at a very high level that is helping Derek Carr have it not all the way be on his shoulders. So uh, kudos to him. Obviously, they're not picking up his fifth-year option. That lit a fire up under him. And sometimes that's what has to happen as a player for you to go ahead and realize that time is of the essence and that you need that motivation right now, not in a few months, not next year, right now. So that is probably, for me, the most pleasant bright spot that I've seen within this Raiders team early on in the season. Stan, uh, last year the Raiders were 7-2 in in one-score games. This year, 0-4. You talked about it before. Maybe just give our our listeners a a reminder. There's really a fine line in this NFL between winning and losing, isn't there? Oh, no doubt about it. And I think that when you really go back and look, and I remember one of my DB coaches told me this years ago, when you look back when it was the 16-game season, there's not much of a difference between a team that goes 13 and three and a team that goes, let's say, five and 11 or four and 12. Like it's probably maybe about 13 to 15 plays out of the entire 16 game season that is the difference between a 13 and three team and a team going four and 12. It's not that, it's not that far off as people think because everybody still has good players. It's just a matter of does the ball bounce your way a few certain times. So to me right there, I think that uh, these Raiders, obviously they have the ability. They need to play better in the back end, but obviously they should have addressed the back end a lot better in the offseason along with the offensive line. But I think right now with the way this team is playing, they're not far off. They're not. Uh, When you look at every game that they've lost this year to the Cardinals, to the Chiefs, to the Titans, week one to the Chargers, they're not getting blown out. No. It's just a play here, a play there. And then I know uh, obviously Raider fans don't want to hear this, but and obviously I'm speaking in jest and I'm speaking hypothetically, but the Raiders are about, what, 15 points away from being 4-1 and one right now? Yeah. So that to me right there shows that they're playing at a competitive level. They clearly got to get over the hump. There's no doubt about that because right now they're not over the hump, but I would much rather them be losing closer games than to be getting blown out because then you don't really have any element for optimism when you're getting blown out every week. So if you're looking for a silver lining, DA, if that's what you're asking me, that would be (laughs) what I'm going with. I just did the math. And if my arithmetic is correct, the Raiders four losses are by combined 14 points. Exactly. Wow. Imagine what 15, 15 more points. Yep. Imagine what that would do right now. They're for undefeated. The record. Unbelievable, isn't it? Hey, Stan, I want to go back to the defense uh, for just a moment, if we could. And, and right now, to me, you, you hit on Max Crosby. Uh, he's got six of the team's eight sacks. The defense has just three takeaways. I mean, right now, uh, I mean, you spent eight years of your career on that side of the football. Right now, I just see Max Crosby really as the only playmaker on that defense is it a case where the Raiders don't have enough playmakers or are they still trying to learn Patrick Graham's system as the first year defensive coordinator following a bye Stan what would you try to implement to get this defense playing at a higher level or do you even have an answer at this point I think they just got to make more plays I think Chandler Jones obviously he played well in spurts in the game against Kansas City he's got to show up he's got to be the player that they paid handsomely like he's been with the Patriots, like he's been with the Cardinals. He's got to be that bookend. He's got to be that compliment guy for Max Crosby so they can have that ferocious pass rush because 
the secondary is not exactly where it should be with the playmakers back there. So to augment, to go ahead and try to help that secondary, that's why Chandler Jones really needs to step up because, like what you were saying, Max Crosby right now is the only bright spot pretty much on the defense as far as when you look at the production numbers. He's the only bright spot. That's why, to me, what you're asking, what to do on this offseason. I'm, I'm sorry, not the offseason, but this off week. Uh, I think you got to get uh, pay more attention to detail. Find other ways that you can generate pass rush. Find other ways that you can generate pressure onto the quarterback, whether if it's blitzing more, whether if it's simply running certain stunts. That way you can kind of get Chandler Jones going because you already know for a lot of guys, sacks come in bunches. After they go ahead and get a couple, now you're feeling yourself. Now that confidence is going through the roof. And then now that ball has got to come out quicker. It seems like those DP, those DBs are able to go to break on the pass even more. They can squat a little bit, things like that. So that's what I would try to do. Find ways that I can generate pressure onto the quarterback. And then also I would do self-scouting. Okay, what coverages do we seem to be the least effective at? Why are we the least effective? Does it seem like we're tipping our hand? Does it seem like other teams know what we're in before we try to run it? So those elements of the defense, those elements of play calling, those elements of personnel, you got to look at all of that and try to figure out, okay, we got 12 more games. What is the best way that we can approach this and try to win the majority of these last 12 games so we can get back up into this playoff race? Dan, you and I talked about this, or we tweeted about this, I should say, during the Chiefs game. And the Raiders, I thought, were effectively blitzing Patrick Mahomes early. And I said, Stan, do you like them doing that? Or do you think they're maybe going to pay a price down the line? And you said, you know what? No, I like it. It speeds up his clock. But I didn't think they put as much pressure on him in the second half, and they didn't blitz as much. Would you like to see that maybe more from the Raiders? Or is it just going to kind of depend on the week-by-week opponent who you're playing? Yeah, I think a lot of it just depends on the uh, the week-by-week opponent. And I say that because when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you have Travis Kelsey. We already know that's his stud. He had, what, four touchdowns? Yep. Could have had five or six, for crying out loud, on Monday night. So from a personnel standpoint at the receiver position, obviously Coach Graham, he feels it. My guys can match up against the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. There's no more Tariq Hill right. out there on that football field. So that's why he feels a little bit more comfortable trying to put more pressure on Pat Mahomes, trying to keep him inside the pocket, making him feel that pressure, get the ball out quicker, maybe have some errant throws, things like that. But if you're going against a team that has a plethora of really good receivers, let's say like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they're healthy, or let's just say a team like, uh, I don't know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, somebody like that, that's when obviously you got to augment. I'm sorry, you got to modify your approach. Now you may want to run a little bit more zone. Now you got to sit back, a safety back to try to bracket one of the top receivers, things like that. So to me, you can't have that mentality going into every game, but there has to be the element of we have to find a way to either A, confuse the quarterback or pressure the quarterback or both. Otherwise, if we don't do either of those two, we're just sitting ducks in the back end. All right, Stan. Like I said earlier, you played eight years in the NFL, and I want to ask you about refereeing. Now, I'm sure during your playing days with the Raiders, I'm sure you heard the conspiracy theories that the refs are out to get the Raiders. I'm sure you heard it from owner Al Davis (laughs) to the fans. And to me, on Monday night, there was just two absolutely egregious penalties. And one, you know, let's face it, Chris Jones had a strip sack of Derek Carr, and that should have been the Kansas City Chiefs football. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, later in the game, and it was a huge momentum swing. I mean, the Raiders defense finally comes up with a stop. The Chiefs miss a field goal. And then Malcolm Kuntz is called for holding on a field goal attempt. 
Stan? Yeah. I've been watching football I don't know how long. You've been playing football for your whole life. I have never in my life have seen that call. I mean, where does something like that come from? Is it a makeup call? But I mean, just as a former player, what did you feel like the refs were out to get the Raiders? And when you see calls like that now from the other side, what what are your thoughts? Oh, wow. I think that, uh, for one, I don't think it was a phantom call. I think that that's an actual real call. And I say that because you now see that they've even taken steps to add more rules onto special teams. I remember several years ago, I think it was the Patriots versus the Colts maybe, but it was definitely the Patriots where Jamie Collins, that athletic linebacker out of Southern Miss, I believe he was a second-round pick. And there I was a play that. where uh, it, was, it was a field goal, and he actually jumped over the center and then blocked a kick. I forget which game it was, but it was a fantastic play. Very athletic player. And then all of a sudden, now you're seeing rules come out where you cannot use the center's head to propel yourself to jumping over him. So essentially, if let's say you're in a gym somewhere and you're doing box jumps, where you literally have to jump, jump right. from the ground onto the box, that's what you'd have to do if you wanted to try to jump over the center where you cannot use any part of his body to propel yourself. you got to literally jump over him so you got to be essentially you got to be michael jordan uh to basically do that on the football <laughs> field so you know i've noticed that rule has been implemented and now you're starting to see teams have to actually make sure that they play within the confines of the rules on special teams and things like that so i don't think that was a phantom call i just think that was an unfortunate break for us on that play and obviously kansas city was able to benefit from it but as a player, when you played for the Raiders, did you feel like the officials were working against you? And I'm not trying to spread any more conspiracy theories. I never felt that as a Raider fan, and I still don't. I do think the calls equal out or even out over a season, but I just thought those were two egregious calls Monday night. How did you feel as a Raider player when it came to the uh, refereeing? As far as the refereeing, I mean, maybe every now and again you may kind of think that, but, you know, I think when you really take a step back and you actually look at it from – the actual vantage point of the bird's eye view. And you can see, okay, you know what? Maybe I can nitpick and say that they're out to get us, but you got to ask yourself, was the offensive lineman holding? He kind of was. That's why they called it. Oh, <laughs> uh, did I actually pass it to fear the receiver? Yeah, I did. That's why they called it. <laughs> so <laughs> when you really just are honest with yourself, yeah, maybe they did nitpick. Maybe they did go and, you know, and hold everything to the letter of the law, probably a little bit more than they do with other teams. But if you actually committed the infraction and they threw the flag, you can't really blame them for simply doing their job really, really well. Um, so I try not to get in all that. But, yes, I've heard many rumors. I've heard many things about, you know, referees kind of being out to get the Raiders. Uh, I, I have heard that there are times I've thought that. Yes, no doubt about it. Okay. But, you know, looking back on it, I can't remember of a time where there was actually an infraction that was not committed. And they threw the flag. Hmm. All right. I know I try not to look ahead or too far ahead, but Stan, following the break, this is the Raiders schedule. And on paper, I'm not, I know I'm just saying on paper, it doesn't appear to be that difficult. I mean, we got home against the Texans at New Orleans, at Jacksonville, home versus Indy, at Denver, and then at Seattle. And I know I, I know you take one game at a time, but the sched, does the sked give you a little bit of hope that maybe the Raiders can right this ship, Stan? It does. 
uh, uh, the opponents that you just mentioned. But at the end of the day, the Raiders are going to have to find a ways to finish games. No doubt about that. You blow a 20-point lead to the Arizona Cardinals. You blew a 17-point lead to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, yeah, obviously, Pat Mahomes is great. We all know that. But you were up 17-0 in the second quarter. 17-0. Let's go ahead and still remind ourselves of that. So you're still blowing leads to teams that you should find a way to go ahead and close out. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. But you've created enough of a padding, enough of a cushion that you should be able to go ahead and still find a way to get through the finish line because you were able to get off to that hot start. So clearly you're able to make plays against this team because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to get off to the hot start. So I think that even though they have a lesser opponent schedule going forward, they still got to find a way to finish games. You still got to find a way to do the little things. You still got to find a way to protect Derek Carr. You still got to find a way to get off the field on third down. You still got to find a way to cover these receivers better. You still got to find a way to eliminate the big plays. You still got to find a way to get the quarterback on the ground. You can't have uh, 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 you can't have Kyler Murray scrambling for 20 damn seconds. Agreed. You can't have Pat Mahomes feeling like, okay, all I got to do is evade the pass rush, leak out of the pocket, Roll to my right, and then I'm going to find Miko Hardman. I'm going to find Travis Kelsey. I'm going to find MBS. I'm going to find whoever else. So you got to find a way to put pressure on these quarterbacks where they do not feel as comfortable as they have felt for the first five games of this season. All right, finally, Stan, I want to talk about fighting among teammates in sports. I mean, you and I discussed it a few weeks ago when I saw two University of Houston teammates go at it on the sideline. And for those who don't know, you're a volunteer assistant coach there. Then the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green punched his teammate Jordan Poole in practice. I, I know by now everybody has seen that video. Uh, do I think Draymond Green crossed the line? Yes, I did. The team fined him. No suspension. That's entirely up to the team. Uh, he's returned to the Warriors after taking some time away. Full disclosure, Stan, I'm a big fan of Draymond. I think he's a terrific defensive player, very smart player. I think he's the heart and soul of the Warriors. I don't think they win four titles without him, but like I said, I don't condone what he did, but Stan, let me ask you this. It's kind of a three-part question. First of all, how often do teammates fight? How quickly is it usually rectified? And have you ever been part of a situation or known of a situation that couldn't be resolved? How often do teams fight? How to me? Uh, that's something that I it's something that you don't see every day, but you see often enough to not be shocked or surprised by it. I'll go ahead and answer that. Were you shocked by Number Draymond two, Green? Were you shocked by Draymond Green, what you saw? Knowing the, knowing the type of player that Draymond Green is, and I'm not saying he's a dirty player, but right. he's somebody that plays on the edge. Absolutely. And that's what gives him the greatness that he has. And he's, in a lot of ways, obviously, we see Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, now Jordan Poole, uh, well, obviously the best scores on the Golden State Warriors. We all see, we all see that. But Draymond Green, is he, in a lot of ways, he's the engine. Yes, he's he the engine that makes that team go. Absolutely and 100%. Draymond Green knows he knows what his role is. He's the garbage man. He does the dirty work. He sets the screen. He's the playmaker. A lot of times he sets the pace for uh for the game and things like that. So I think that uh he knows what his role is. And because of that, for Draymond Green, he is somebody that plays on the edge. Right there on the edge of was it dirty or is he just playing real aggressive? So that's why it doesn't really surprise me. Draymond Green is from Michigan. He is from an area in Michigan that is really, really not a place that you just want to visit. He grew up pretty rough. That's his mindset. He's got that nuts and bolts type of type of approach to the game. So to your question, 
Am I surprised? No, I'm not. But like I said, once again, fighting, scuffles, or skirmishes between teammates, that is something that doesn't happen every day, but it happens often enough to where you're not surprised. But how, how quickly does a situation usually get rectified when, when you've seen it among your teammates? I mean, you played at University of Houston, you played high school football, you played eight years in the NFL, you were a high school defensive coach, and now you're a volunteer yeah. coach with the Texas, or excuse me, University of Houston. Oh, how quickly do you see? You usually see it resolved rather quickly because whatever it is, unless it's got something to do with something off the field, which is what you really try to avoid the most. But as long as it's football related, or should I say, as long as it's related to that specific sport, usually it's resolved maybe at the latest tomorrow, the next day after at the latest, because it probably stems around us just having a difference of opinion on what's the best way to win. Because that's the common goal that we all have. We want to win. You just want to do it A. I want to do it B. We have a difference of opinion. It's a testosterone-driven industry. So clearly, when we have a difference of opinion, it's going to get a little bit more heated. It's going to be a little bit more physical. It's going to be a little bit more violent. But that's what fans come to see on Sundays. They like the violence. That's why they come to see it. I mean, I don't care what they say. Like, oh, even right, basketball. Basketball has a certain level of physicality. To Absolutely. It. It so, uh, so to your question, uh, usually it's resolved maybe the next day. If the latest, if it's something catastrophic, maybe two days later. But, you know, most guys don't want to fight. You're already fighting on the field right. or on the court. You don't feel like doing that off the field or off the court or, you know, in your off time. So you're not really going to have that linger over too much unless, like I said, there have been times I've also been witness to where something has happened off the court or off the field and that's why the two are beefing that's when it gets really tenuous that's when it gets really ugly when it's an off the field issue between two people that have to see each other every day at work and does it get stan okay okay so let me ask you this now something like that off the field does it ever have you ever known it not to get rectified and have an impact on the field Oh, wow. That's a two-part question. There are times where I've known it to not get rectified. Okay. Now, have I seen it affect on the field? No, I really have not. Okay. okay. But as far as it not being rectified, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen that happen a couple times. All right. Well, look, the Raiders have a bye, so at least we can relax a little bit and not be depressed uh, if, if they came out on the short end <laughs> <in> this week. <laughs> so, Stan, you got a game this week in your column? Oh, man. I Actually, I do not have a game this weekend that I'm calling. I am uh, free this entire weekend because, like I said, we got to buy as well. Wow. So uh, definitely, uh, man, like I said, I'm going to enjoy uh, this weekend. I can promise you on that one. All right. My alma mater, San Jose State, takes on the rival Fresno State and West Coast Conference. I beg your pardon, West Coast, Mountain West Conference football. I broadcast mm -hmm. in the West Coast Conference. I'm getting my letters mixed up in my conferences. Hey, partner, good stuff <laughs> as always. I think we hit on a lot of good topics today. Uh, and really enjoyed it as always. Perfect, perfect, man. Always happy to do it. Can't wait till next week. Exactly. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by Bet Online. From a partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.